It isn't always easy to detect when a friend or colleague is suffering from burnout. And even if you do, it can be uncomfortable to speak up about it. But while it may be difficult conversation, speaking up can make the difference for a struggling physician. No one is walking around with a low battery logo above their head. Um, <laughs> so people will express burnout differently and you may not always recognize that. A lot of times the most common ways that people will say residents and medical professionals will, will burn out will be with patient care or being late to meetings or late to replying to things, not big changes in personality, things like that. That's Hunter Pattison, MD. In part two of this episode of Moving Medicine, a podcast from the American Medical Association, Dr. Pattison joins a panel of burnout experts who discuss what to do if you think a friend or colleague is dealing with burnout and how the healthcare system can cultivate physician resiliency. I'm your host, Todd Unger, Chief Experience Officer at the American Medical Association. Here's part two of the panel discussion. We're gonna to go to the next question. I'm gonna just, from a personal anecdote, share the fact that going into residency or into internship, my husband and I made a pact. And it might seem silly, but it worked. And the pact was that during that year that we knew would be incredibly stressful, we were not going to make a baby, we were not going to change religions, <laughs> and we were not going to know the word divorce. So literally what we did is we just said, park it. And like I say, it might seem silly, but I would tend to ruminate. And I could have ruminated myself probably into changing religions, possibly getting a divorce, probably not making a baby. But it's something where you just say, certain things, they can wait. So I'm gonna go to Hunter next and ask our third question, which is what do you do if you are starting to observe that a friend, a colleague, is, you think they might be about to burn out or they're acting in a way where you think that they've already reached that stage. So Hunter, I'll Take that one to you. Um, so I will just go and say that no one is walking around with a low battery logo above their head. Um, <laughs> so people will express burnout differently, and you may not always recognize that. A lot of times the most common ways that people will say residents and medical professionals will, will burn out will be with patient care or being late to meetings or late to replying to things not big changes in personality, things like that. And so if you're starting to see that and you're starting to recognize that, I, I think it's important to, um, I think it's important to A, point it out to the person because um, they may not realize what's going on. They may, not, they may not realize that they are burning out or they're experiencing symptoms of burnout in their system. Um, and the same goes with, with you as well. You may not realize that you're burning out, but you are being less efficient in your clinical duties and your, your other duties, or you're not, um, you're not finding satisfaction in the things that you used to get a lot of, um, you know, fulfillment out of. Um, I think 
trying to be that helping hand and trying to um, connect people to resources, wellness resources or um, encourage them to seek out those wellness resources is important. Um, but again, that puts the, um, I, it puts the blame of burnout on the person. Um, and that when you think about burnout, it's, it's not the person, it's not the fact that they're weak or that they um, aren't able to um, get through the system or get through their training or and become the, the doctor that they're supposed to be. Um, it, it really is a systems issue. Um, and so I, I think the best advice would be to try and realize what's causing that burnout, whether it's you know shift scheduling or whether it's um, administrative task or if it's extremely burdensome to with like the EHR or th- things like that and and work with you know your community and your organization um, to try and fix that um, because that's that's the only way you're going to prevent burnout is by trying to help fix the system that's causing it. Um, I also would definitely kind of put in a plug for staying involved in organized medicine too because I think coming in meetings like this and, and staying involved in your, your communities and your hospital um, organizations, state organizations, things like that, that's how you can make a difference. Um, and that's kind of why I think everyone on the panel is, is still involved is because they feel like they can help make a difference in the system. So Jan, Marie, Ryan, anything you'd like to add to that? I think depersonalization, um, saying something really negative about the patient or, you know, they're not Mrs. Jones in room two, they're that train wreck. Um, We know, looking back, um, depersonalizing the patients and playing silly games um, where you, you know, got points for certain hits that you got that night. that was depersonalization. Um, that we didn't know it at the time, but that was us dealing uh, with burnout. Um, so if you see that and and somebody's really angry, um, if you there is a script on um, and and talking points on steps forward to say um, you know because those are hard conversations uh, because you're struggling too. But say something. If you don't feel comfortable saying something or going out for the barbecue, you know, let's catch a beer, um, and even and normalizing it. I think that came up too. If you say, "Gee, I'm really struggling. I just feel, you know, whatever." Reflect and then see what comes from that other person. But if you don't feel comfortable, bring it on to the program director or your your your, your medical student, the clerkship director, or whoever is a safe person for you. I know when I was in residency uh, during internship, uh, now the CEO of, of Rush um, was my chief resident. And he, um, one of my colleagues was burned out, my dearest friend, and I didn't know that she was burning out. So he had the two of us come over uh, for beers and pizza um, to just have a quiet time. The person who, and I'm afraid some of you are in this room, who say yes to everything and are the least likely to be considered burning out because you're always happy, you always say yes, you're the go-to person, you can go to the AMA, you can run this meeting, you can make everybody else better. That person we've seen across the country um, without anybody knowing, that perfect medical student, that perfect resident, that perfect doctor, uh, we found out with some horrific event when they just let it go. So watch out for yourself. If you're the yes person um, and you see that you, you know somebody who's always the yes person, say, well, we might be 
adding to that person's burnout because they may be the last person that you think. Thank you. So last question, and we'll start with Ryan to answer this one. So how do we cultivate resiliency throughout our medical career? And are there any particularly useful tools, we've heard a bit about some of them already, that you've encountered to enhance, and I'm gonna modify the question a little bit, your personal resiliency, but the resiliency of the people around you, mm -hmm. so that this is a more systems approach. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you said that, because my first response to this question was that I kind of object Generally speaking, I object to utilizing the term resiliency in these conversations too much. I mean, I think it is a worthwhile concept, but always needs to be coupled with the fact that you know, providing tools for resiliency is just to help you get through a system that really needs an overhaul, right, um, until we can fix it. You know, we talk about cultivating resiliency through your medical career. I think, honestly, currently the way that uh, medical training is structured, uh, does a disservice to us kind of for the rest of our lives. And this has really been punctuated for me having recently finished my residency. And I talk to my friends who are in other fields and they say, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, it's pretty good. I'm pretty busy. I usually travel for my business Monday, Tuesday. I do administrative meetings Wednesday, Thursday. I do shifts Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And they're like, oh, that sounds like a nightmare. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess it's way better in residency. So, you know, like, and it really, in my mind, I'm always comparing my life to the 80 to actually more like 90 hours a week or so that you are doing a residency. And this seems way better. Right, and so I think by taking people during their very formative years of life and then for three to nine years, making them work 80 to 90 hours a week and never go to the dentist and never work out and eat like garbage and all these things, how do we expect them then for the rest of their lives to reverse all those horrible habits that we have forced upon them, right? And live a, a normal and, and mentally healthy life. I think, it's, I think it is the system itself that is ingraining in us those, those bad habits. And so uh, consequently, I think the solutions that are most appealing to me are solutions that facilitate the development of good habits during training. Um, I, some of the things I've seen that have been successful, so at Stanford in our uh, residency program, um, they, it, in lieu of mandatory wellness lectures, once they kind of got the message around that, they said, well, you know what we're gonna do is we're gonna give you, uh, we're gonna give you uh, residency conference credit for doing wellness activities. So instead of going to conference, you can go work out for an hour and you'll get an hour of conference credit for that. Or you, know, you can go to the dentist or you can go get a massage or you can go do whatever you wanna do for your own personal wellness and we'll give you conference credit for that as if you were there. And so like that kind of solution I think is excellent, right? It helps foster those good life habits or uh, also at Stanford, the, uh, the um, surgery program just started scheduling people for days to meet with their primary care doctor and giving them the day off. They're like, hey, you know, we gave you Thursday off and we also scheduled an appointment with your primary care doctor. You don't have to go if you don't want to, but you know, just to help you out a little bit. Like things like that that help you kind of develop those good habits um, and those life skills that are gonna be important for the rest of your life, I think are some of the more useful interventions. Curated from more than 3,000 major newspapers, magazines, and journals, the AMA Morning Rounds newsletter delivers the top stories in healthcare right to your inbox Monday through Friday. 
Subscribe today and check out all the AMA's free newsletters at ama-assn.org slash myinbox. That's ama-assn.org slash myinbox. Great. Other comments from the panel? Jan? Yeah, I've got a couple of comments. Those are very good, Ryan. Um, you do have to have a very supportive institution. Um, and there, you know, this issue of burnout, it's lifelong, there's diverse factors, um, but there's certain things you can do yourself and then certain things, like we said, organized medicine, where you can ho hopefully change the system or with teams you can suggest that things at your institution be changed. Um, one of my dear friends is an astronaut and uh, the International Space Station, uh, Shell Lindgren, also a physician, and he, you know, the astronauts adhere to this program of self-care, then team care, mm -hmm. and then the mission. Self-care, you can't show up being a mess. So, I mean, tell yourself three aspects of gratitude a day. I religiously practice that. My students think that is a huge thing, always. Three things that you are so grateful for every day. Science has proven that's more effective than SSRIs. You know, have some, you know, take care of yourself and nutrition, your health, you know, have a personal physician. All of that stuff you just have to do. So self-care, that's number one. Then team care, we really need the efficient, um, empowered, you have to be able to innovate, that makes you happy, uh, physician-led teams. And that's gonna take a lot of the administrative burden off. It's gonna make you have fun at your work every day and give you a sense of purpose so that, you know, you look at the three pillars of burnout, it's gonna help alleviate those. So self-care, team care, and then the mission will be able to happen. So um, I think that, and sometimes like we've come up in Colorado with, a, uh, with CMS and our uh, health, our physician health uh, plan uh, toolkit. So, you know, there's toolkits out there of, uh, you know, any, all sorts of things you can do in your institution and in your personal life you can do. Other comments? Many of you may be going back and, and hopefully your organization is looking to you for some ideas. Um, I had the opportunity to spend a couple of days at Penn State last year and the medical student group uh, had some very good ideas that I'll share with you that'll be posted up on Steps Forward in the, in the not too distant future. One was they had the uh, therapy dogs that are there for patients and they just had them in um, the student lounge and it was so popular. Um, and then you're also experiencing what the patient might experience or when the patient says, no, I don't want to do this, said, oh, well, I did it. It really feels good. And the other thing is they did, um, uh, as a group, um, made teddy bears or, or sewed some things for the pediatric ward um, and they phrased it more as um, surgical um, uh, suture technique and, and, and sewing, right? So there are things you can do, you know, on site that are pretty creative. I know we do talk a lot about like the system with burnout, but at the end of the, of the day, if you are feeling burned out or if you know someone who is feeling burned out, um, a lot of it kind of comes down to that person trying to do stuff for their own wellness. Um, are you taking, you know, taking control and trying to do stuff to make you feel less burned out um, and give you that, that life satisfaction? 
um, or those things in your life that can you know renew that fulfillment. So I remember starting out residency and people were like, oh, don't forget to you know cook food and and go to the gym every every day or go to the gym every week and still enjoy the things that you want to do and take time to do that. And one month in, I was like, how do people have time to do this? Um, all I wanted to do was sleep when I got home. Um, and I'm sure that a lot of you feel the same way in medical school too. But um, if it really takes a conscious effort to still maintain those aspects of your outside life that allow you to be the person that you, that you are. Um, and so I think making that conscious effort to, if you like running, like still try and run three times a week, maybe not you know every day but or if you like gardening or if you like reading or if you like watching Netflix or, or anything just taking that time to yourself um, and taking that little bit of, of control that you uh, that lost back into your own hands I think will help that was part two of our panel discussion on physician burnout I'm Todd Unger and this is moving medicine a podcast by the American Medical Association for tips on implementing practice improvement strategies and insights into how other physicians handle burnout, you can sign up for the AMA's Burnout Tip of the Week email at ama-assn.org slash physician-burnout. You can also subscribe to Moving Medicine and other great AMA podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.